How many of you have ever heard of a name, this man's name, James Henry Smith? Does that ring a bell to anybody? If you're a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, then it may ring a bell. Because James passed away back in 2005, and when his family met with the funeral home to plan his, his uh, funeral, they made kind of an unusual request of the funeral director. They said, hey, when, he, when people come in to view the body, um, we would like for you to put James's body in his favorite recliner, sitting in front of a television, playing Pittsburgh Steeler highlights. You get the image, Right? And so the funeral home obliged this request. They brought in his favorite recliner. They put his body in the recliner. They dressed him from head to toe in Pittsburgh Steelers outfit. They put a remote control in his hand. They had Pittsburgh Steelers um, highlights on the TV. They had a pack of cigarettes and a can of beer right next to him. And the family said, this is how we remember him in life. And this is how we want our friends and family to remember him when he is gone. Does the name Billy Stanley mean anything to you? Billy Stanley passed away in 2014, and he had one dying wish. Do you know what it was? He wanted to be buried with his most prized possession, the one thing he loved more than anything else on the planet. It was his 1967 Harley that he affectionately named Astrid. He loved this motorcycle more than anything. He, he rode it around every day he could. And so when he came to planning his funeral, he had a custom glass casket built for he and his motorcycle. And he stored this casket in his garage. And so anybody that would come over to his house, he loved showing off his casket. And he said, this is where I am going to be sitting on my motorcycle for all eternity. And he loved showing it off to his his friends. Well, when he passed away, his family and friends went about fulfilling his desires. It took five embalmers to pull off this feat of positioning his body on top of his Harley like he was riding it so that he would stay in place. He had to purchase an extra large cemetery plot and they brought in a crane just to lower him into the ground. And this is how he wanted people to remember him by. Now, let me tell you this today, friends. There is nothing wrong with Harley-Davidson's, and there's nothing wrong even if you cheer for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I think these two examples, it really does prompt us, I think, to ask a very pertinent question. And the question is this, that if you were to die, what would people remember as your greatest passion? What would people remember about, your, remember about your greatest passion? And I think there's a very important follow-up question to that as well. What do you want your legacy to be? Today, I'd like for us just to take a few minutes together, and I want to talk about legacy. Legacy simply means this. It is something that is passed from one generation to the next. Now, that includes possessions, but, that is, but this, this idea of legacy is much larger than possessions. Legacy is that thing that you are known for. And it's that thing, whatever it is, that you pass on to the next generation, and it's what they become known for. And then they pass that on to the next generation, and it's what they become known for. A legacy often is passed down through a family. John Maxwell says this, if you are successful it becomes possible for you to leave an inheritance for others. But if you desire to create a legacy, then you need to leave something in 
others. So I come back to the question, what is your legacy going to be? What will it be that you leave others to possess versus what you leave in others for all eternity? I would argue that as a follower of Christ, there is no greater legacy to be left than a legacy lived for Jesus Christ. When I think about Christian legacy, my mind takes me to the book of 2 Timothy. And if you've got your Bibles with you, would you go ahead and open it up to 2 Timothy? There's some Bibles around you in the seat pockets in front of you. And if you would, find your way to 2 Timothy. We're going to spend our whole time this morning right in that book of the Bible. In 2 Timothy, we are going to be introduced to these two incredible women. One was named Lois. And the other one was named Eunice. Now, the Bible doesn't give us a whole lot of details about these ladies' lives, but we do know that it was a mother and a daughter, and we also know that they had a tremendous faith, and they are remembered throughout the ages as women who created an incredible legacy. Lois was the mother to Eunice. Now, Eunice was the mother to a man named Timothy. And Timothy, um, we've studied about him before. He was a young pastor. He was a friend of the Apostle Paul. And so the Apostle Paul writes Timothy several letters. That's First and Second Timothy. And in these letters, he has nothing but glowing praise for Timothy and his faith. If you look at 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, what does Paul say about Timothy? He said, Timothy, I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. What did Paul see in Timothy? He saw sincere faith, didn't he? And he certainly was that. We don't have any indication from Scripture that Timothy ever turned from this sincere faith that he had. And the question is, where in the world did he get that? Did he just roll out of bed one day and, and have it? Not according to Paul. What did he say? Now, Timothy, it was modeled for you. Who modeled it for Timothy? His mother, Eunice. And where did Eunice get her faith? Who modeled it for her? Well, her mother, Lois. I love, how the, I love how the message, which is a paraphrase of 2 Timothy, I, I love how it's, it, it reads this verse. 2 Timothy 1.5 in the message says, Does that precious memory triggers another, your honest faith? And what a rich faith it is. Handed down from your grandmother Lois to your mother Eunice and now to you. Legacy. Now, we don't know a whole lot about this family's history other than it was a legacy of Christianity, but we can assume that the first Christian in the family was most likely um, um, Lois, the grandmother. And then the mother Eunice was converted after that, and then she taught Timothy about the Lord. We don't know a whole lot about Timothy's um, father except this. In Acts chapter 16, there's a reference to Timothy's father, and it just says Timothy's father was a Greek. Now, what we can deduce from that is that uh, by calling him a Greek, it means he was not a part of God's family. He was, he was not a Christian. And so we can assume then that, that Timothy was raised in a home where the father was not a Christian, but his mother was, and his grandmother was, and they modeled this Christianity that was passed down to him. Now, um, we would like to assume that in a perfect world, right, that the father would be a Christian and the mother would be a Christian and they together team up to teach their children about Jesus and, and, the, and the process just continues on. But we don't live in a perfect world, do we? I thought I'd hear an amen somewhere in there. We don't live in a perfect world, do we? 
And you know what? Timothy didn't grow up in a perfect family. He didn't grow up in a perfect faith family. But he had two godly women in his life. And that changed everything. I'm curious about who's in our room today. Anybody in here that could say the same thing says, I'm a Christian today because of a godly grandmother or a godly mother, or I'm a Christian today because of a godly wife. Anybody's got that story? A lot of you. A lot of you. That's Timothy's story. You have something in common with Timothy. If you were to keep reading this letter that Paul wrote, you're going to learn this. Flip over in your Bibles one page to 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is for most of you, be one page over. 2 Timothy 3, Paul goes on talking about his faith and his upbringing. He says this in verse 14. He said, Timothy, as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Are you kind of getting the full picture of what Paul is summarizing about Timothy's upbringing? Timothy, a man of sincere faith who was taught the Scriptures from his grandmother and his mother from the time that he was just an infant. And as he grew up, he saw great faith being modeled to him by his mother and grandmother and is the very reason why Timothy exhibits great faith to now. And I read that and I study these details and I go, man, what an incredible legacy. That which you are known for that is passed on to the next generation and it's what they become known for. Every single person in this room will leave a legacy. There's no avoiding it. Every parent will leave a legacy. Every grandparent will leave a legacy. And so the question is very much pertinent to us. What kind of legacy do you want to leave? You don't have a choice. You're going to leave one. What is that legacy? What will your children remember the most about you? What will be the defining mark that your children and your children's children and your children's 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 children will remember when your name comes up? way down the road. For Timothy, his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice, they left a legacy of faith. And that legacy is something that we are still talking about to this very day. How did they leave a legacy like that? Well, I believe they left a legacy like that in the very same manner that each and every one of us can leave a similar legacy. See, I read this and I see two things jump out at me from their life that, goes like, that makes me say, I can do that. And I think it's something all of us can say, oh, I can do that too. And if we can, we are going to move the needle in leaving behind this incredible legacy, this legacy for Christ. What did they do? I see two women that made the Bible a big deal in their home. And so for me, I'm going, this is something we should do too. Make the Bible a big deal in your family. And if you can do that, you are going to start this trend of a different kind of legacy. That's what Lois and Eunice did. 
You can start that right now. You can leave here today with a commitment that from this day forward, the Bible is going to be a presence in my home. It's going to be something that's read more often. It's going to be something that's discussed more regularly. It's going to be something that we go to on a regular basis when we're looking for answers and discerning. God's Word is going to be something we're going to obey. My children and my grandchildren are going to see me with my Bible open on my lap more often. That's making the Bible a big deal in your family. And that's what I think Lois and Eunice did. You look at uh, chapter 3, verse 14, and again, we just read it. Timothy said, I mean, Paul said to Timothy, continue on what you have learned, what you have been convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. Who did he learn it from? His mom and his grandmother. And then in verse 15, Paul says, and how from infancy... Since you were just a little guy, you have known the scriptures. So Paul's like, listen, Timothy, from the time you were in diapers, you were raised up in a home where the holy scriptures were taught, and it was a big deal. And and, and Paul is like, you continue down that path. Now, I'm going to tell you something. This is something that I can relate to a lot. And as I think about my life and how I was raised, this is One of those things that I appreciate so much about the home that I grew up in. Because literally, since I was in diapers, the Bible was a big deal. Now, if my parents were up here today, they could probably list off to you all the mistakes they made. And they would never claim that they made all the right decisions at all. They could probably speak more in depth about their mistakes than their successes in these kinds of things. Maybe you can relate to that. But I can tell you the Bible was a big deal in my home. And I want to show you some things. I brought some things with me here today that uh, I just want to show you. If you were here four years ago, I showed you some of these already. How many of you were here four years ago? How many of you have been coming to the church like in the last two or three years? Okay, so the majority of you. So this will be brand new for you. And those of you that maybe have seen this before, you probably won't remember. So we're all good. I want to show you something that... um, it's not valuable except sentimentally. Um, this is one of our family Bibles, and it's all beat up, and it's coming apart. I don't handle it very often because it's fragile. But um, I've had this Bible in my possession uh, for 21 years, but it's been in our family much longer than that. When my grandfather passed away in 1997 at the age of 99, Um, I asked my family, my aunts and uncles, if I could be the custodian of the family Bibles. And they said, you sure can. And so I've had these since his funeral. And so this Bible right here is very old. Um, It was printed in 1849. That's how old this Bible is right here. Now, just out of curiosity, for all of you history buffs out there, this Bible is 169 years old. So who was the president 169 years ago? Do you know? James K. Polk was the president. That's five presidents before Abraham Lincoln. So this is just kind of where the history is coming. But um, I don't know this for sure. There's no way I could ever know this for sure. But it gives me peace and comfort and joy to think that, you know what, maybe this Bible has been in my family for the last 169 years. Maybe, and I don't know, but just maybe the first person in my family tree to follow Christ maybe learned about Jesus reading this Bible. 
Again, I would never be able to prove it, but I do like looking through this. Our, our family tree that goes back a long time is all written out in this Bible. There were all kinds of things that I found um, stashed in the pages. It was just a fascinating thing to go through. Um, and, and so I want to show you another Bible. This one is another old family Bible of ours. It's not as old as this one. This one was printed in 1870, so that makes it 148 years old. How many of you know who the president was 148 years ago? You can't just rattle this off off the top of your head. No, I'm kidding. Ulysses S. Grant was the president the year this Bible was printed. And I got this Bible at the exact same time. It's one of our family Bibles. Again, another family tree is written inside of here. Um, and, and there was a lot of other things inside of this Bible. There were um, newspaper clippings from the Civil War days. There was uh, old funeral um, announcements that whoever had this Bible in my family, they kept. Uh, these were probably people in their church. These were funerals. There was also two locks of hair that were stuffed in the pages of these Bibles. That was a big thing back in the day. At funeral, you know, before cameras and all this stuff, they would often clip hair. Do you guys have hair clippings of, of family? And they would tie them up pretty with a bow. And, and I had some um, of the staff kids come up to me after, after one of the services. They said, we want to see the hair. <laughs> we want to touch the hair. And so I, between services, I was showing them. And, and, uh, and, and I'm like, you know, that's somebody's died. That's their hair. And they're like, okay. And uh, <laughs> so anyway, there's other things in there that were really just fascinating to me. There were handwritten notes. There were uh, different, you know, song um, printouts of, of hymnals from years ago. And um, this has just been a treasured possession of mine. One of the things that I found inside this Bible, I didn't bring it with me because it's too fragile, but I've got a picture of it. It was a temperance pledge card. In fact, I'll show you a picture of it. It says this, my temperance pledge with malice toward none and charity for all, I, the understand, pledge my word and honor, God helping me to abstain from all intoxicating liquors as a beverage and that I will, by all honorable means, encourage others to abstain. I can't make out the signature, but it was signed in Columbia, Missouri, February 28th, 1878. So this is a 140-year-old pledge of saying, I will not drink alcohol. The temperance movement was a big thing back in the 1800s, and there's a fascinating little piece of history. Somebody connected to my family somewhere made a commitment to not do that all those years ago. Um, but these are treasured possessions of mine. Let me, let me just show you another book that um, is just something that I'll have for the rest of my life. This is a 101-year-old commentary on the book of Revelation. And if you look at the bottom, you're going to see that it was written by a guy named H.C. Williams. That's my great-grandfather. He was a preacher, and uh, he, um, he was a self-taught preacher, actually. And he traveled as an itinerant preacher, and he was an evangelist, and he served churches. And uh, that was his whole life. That's, that's what he did. And, and he wrote a commentary back in 1917 on the book of Revelation, and I've never read it. I haven't read it. Because quite honestly, I don't know if we agree. All right, and, and, and I don't want to find out if we agree or not. I'm just going to let history be history, and, and that's what it is. Um, interesting how I even got this Bible, I, I, or this, this commentary. Um, my father had an old copy of it, but the cover was ripped off. It was all duct taped together. You got any old books that are kind of like that? And I said, well, Dad, I'd like to get a copy of my own. It's not in print anymore, in case you were wondering. 
And so I called Standard Press, that's who published this uh, 100 years ago, and I just said, hey, my name's Joe Williams, and my great-grandfather was H.C. Williams, and you published a commentary of his, and I just need a little guidance and help on how I can find a copy of my own. And so they called me back a couple weeks later, and they said, you're not going to believe it. We went down into our archives where we keep one copy of everything we've ever printed, and oddly enough, we had two copies of that book. Can we send you one? And I'm like, yes, you can. And, and so I've had this ever since. Um, H.C., you've heard me talk about H.C. I've never met him. He had passed away before I was born. But he was the preacher in our family who one Sunday was standing before the church and he was preaching his heart out and he had a stroke and collapsed in front of the church and died right there in church. And I've always thought for years, man, what a way to go. Just be preaching your heart out, sweating a little bit, letting people have it, talking about Jesus, and then bam, boom, you're done. You know, that would be cool, you know, not today, of course, but later, <laughs> many years from now. That's, that's H.C. Let me show you another, another Bible. This, this Bible here belonged to my grandpa, Neil Williams. He was the one that was keeper of all the family Bibles. He's my grandfather who died at the age of 99. And um, yes, my biological grandfather was born in 1898, okay? So uh, us Williams are known for having children much later in life. And, uh, but uh, we're stopping that trend. Um, so I'm joking, of course. My grandpa, I remember as a kid, I would sit on his lap. He was an old man. And I would sit on his lap as a kid and I remember so vividly, he had this globe that he kept in his living room, and he would spin it and point out all the places in the world he had traveled in his life, tell me about experiences and things like that. Um, this Bible, I also got when I got these. This was his Bible, and, and it's just fascinating. Um, all throughout the pages, there's things written in the margins. He was a great, great man of faith. He was not a preacher, but he was a church leader for years and years and years. And I don't know if you can see it, but here in the pages, you know, the corners pages, they're covered in brown, oily stuff. You know what that is? That's the, the oil and the residue from your fingers. And you know how that gets on pages? Not by staring at it, by touching it. His hands were all over the pages of this Bible. Every page has these dark spots on it, handwritten notes, notes he took in church, things he wrote that were important to him. It's a treasure to me. And so this is my grandfather Neil's Bible. A um, number of years ago, when I first started preaching, I was asked to do a funeral, and the family requested that all the, the Scripture be read from a King James Bible. And I didn't have one of those. And so I called my dad up one day and I said, hey, dad, you got a King James Bible you can lend me? And he goes, I sure do. And he mailed me this one. This is one of his Bibles. My father um, preached the gospel for over 55 years. He was a church planter, church leader, evangelist, um, went all over the world preaching the gospel. And um, he, he can't do that anymore. Health has taken its toll on him. And so he would still love to be traveling and preaching the gospel, but he can't do that anymore. But uh, he sent me this Bible and um, I never sent it back, by the way. And when I got it, I realized some of his old sermons were stuffed in the pages of this Bible. So treasures to me. But uh, my father is a great man of God and still is. And, um, and that's, that's his Bible. And I, I look at this stack of Bibles and these books. And I think about legacy. And I think about what's been important. And, and the thought hits me. 
that I am so thankful that the Bible was a big enough deal to this generation that they shared it with this generation. And the Bible was still a big enough deal in this generation, they shared it with this generation. And the Bible was still a big enough deal to this generation, they shared it with this generation. And the Bible was still a big enough deal to this generation, they shared it to this generation. And the Bible was still a big enough deal to this generation that they shared it with this generation. Me. This is my Bible. This has been my Bible since college. And with God's help, I want to make the Bible a big enough deal that the next generation to them. Legacy. And I think this is what we're reading about in 2 Timothy with Lois and Eunice and Timothy. I think this is exactly how they did it. They made the Bible a big deal in their home. And that is something that you can do too, starting today. But it wasn't just making the Bible a big deal. We also learned they did something else. They lived out their faith every single day. And that is something that you can do as well. You can decide right now that from this day forward, the Bible's going to be a big deal and I'm going to live out my faith every day. You know what the Bible never requires us to do? Be perfect. Never. And that's why we say so confidently here, God cares more about where you're going than where you've been. Because he's not asking for you to be a perfect Christian. But the Bible does make very clearly that we are to strive daily, to walk by faith, not by sight, trusting God. And modeling this Christian faith in front of our kids. So live out your faith in front of your children and grandchildren. What did Paul say to Timothy again in 2 Timothy 1.5? I am reminded... Of your sincere faith, which was first lived in your grandmother, Lois, and in your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded, lives in you also. And I love the way that Paul uses the language to express faith. He says, it lives. It's not dead. It's alive. And where does it live? It lives in each of them. What a great way to describe somebody of faith. It is something that's alive. It's not dead. It's not plateaued. It's alive in you. It's not just a piece of who you are. It is who you are to your very core. That you are saved by Jesus Christ through the power of his death and resurrection. And you believe it in faith. And you are saved by it. Alive. But I tell you today, I think there's a temptation for each and every one of us to just think about our, our faith as a part of our lives, not the very being of who we are. You know, we, we think about it like this. We break up our lives into these equal parts. We're really good at doing that. Like we have our family life, and we have our work life, and we have our social life, and we have our fun life, and we have our school life, and we also have our church life. And when it's convenient, our church life, our faith, fits in very nice and neatly with the rest of our compartmentalized life. Sometimes they overlap. Oftentimes they do not. And the kind of faith that Lois and Eunice lived out in front of Timothy was something that it was their whole life. 
their complete worldview was seen through the lenses of faith in Jesus Christ, and it affected everything, and Timothy watched it every single day. Again, the Bible doesn't call for you to be a perfect Christian, but does call for you to live out your faith daily. And friends, people are watching every day. If you listen to Dave Ramsey on the radio talk about finances, you'll hear him sign off every day by saying the same thing. He says, the only way to have financial peace is to walk daily with the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus. You know, that's a true statement in every area of your life, not just with your personal finances. The only way to experience peace as a mom and dad, to experience peace as a grandparent or a great-grandparent or a great-great-grandparent is to walk daily with the Prince of Peace for the whole world to see. Most importantly, for those in your own living room. So make the Bible a big deal in front of your kids and grandkids and do everything that you can to live it out and model it faithfully. Your kids are watching, your grandkids are watching. Every single one of us in this room is going to leave a legacy. You don't have a choice, sorry. You're gonna leave a legacy. But every single one of us can be intentional with the kind of legacy that we leave. And you know what? Your legacy right now may not be a good one if you were called up yonder today. But here's the beautiful thing about God's grace and forgiveness. You can draw a line in the sand and you can change the trajectory of your family in an instant. You can change the trajectory of your family tree just like that. You can be the one today that says, I'm not going to leave this kind of legacy. I'm going to leave a legacy for Jesus. And I can start by making these two changes. I'm going to start making the Bible a big deal in my life and in my home. And I'm going to do the best of my ability with God's help and with his grace. I'm going to start living that out to the best of my ability for the whole world to see. Especially those in my living room. What will people remember you for? They'll remember that. And no matter what you did before that, what they'll remember is that you made a change that my mom, my dad, lived for Jesus. We're all going to leave a legacy. So what do you want that legacy to be? I'd like for us to have some time of prayer. Because my guess is, in a sermon like this, there's probably a few names that popped up into your mind. Whether that be somebody that had great influence on your life, or somebody that right now you're thinking they're not following Jesus. Some of you in this room are the very first Christian in your family. Everyone else before you was not, but you are the first. Praise God for you. Praise God for you. Because you right now get a chance to change your entire family tree coming up behind you. Praise God for you. Maybe some of you are here today and you're like, I may just be the last Christian in my family. I don't know what happens after me. Praise God for you too. That you're still holding the torch of faith in your family. And it's not gone out yet. You're there. The rest of us are somewhere in between probably. And what I'd like to do, I'd like for us to pray for everybody in between. 
for those that I'm the first Christian, I'm the ones that maybe the last Christian, everyone in between. Let's ask God. Let's lift up these names today. Let's lift up these people that we're close to. Let's lift up these names before the Lord. Would you rise to your feet? Can we stand before our Lord? And let, let's pray together. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we want to pray for those names. Lord, maybe even hundreds of names have been thought of during the last 30 minutes. You, you hear them all, God. We know you do. And so, Lord, we just raise up these names to you, Lord. These are people that are close to us. These are people that are around us, Lord, that we want to leave a legacy of faith in. So why don't you just take a moment in this quietness and just, just lift up some of these names in prayer. Lord, we just give you thanks for all that you've done for us. The legacy you have left us, Lord, let us not miss. Lord, we give you thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. At this time, we're going to sing together. And I'm going to invite you to sing. I'm going to invite you to worship our Heavenly Father who's doing an amazing work in, in our lives. But also, if you just want to pray for somebody, or if you've got burdens, or something, I just want to pray. I just want to go Pastor Mario, Pastor Taylor up here. They would love to pray with you. And you can, anytime during this time of worship or after church, you know, just grab, I just want somebody to pray with. And they're here for that. Maybe you're here today and you're like, you know what? There's no Christians in my family, and by golly, I'm going to be the first one. God has impacted my life. He's been working on me, and today's the day I choose that I'm going to change my family tree, and I'm going to become the first Christian, and today I'm going to give my life to Jesus. Is that you? And we'd love to hear your story. We'd love to hear about it. Why don't you come tell Taylor, tell Mario, I'm changing my family tree today. I'm going to follow Jesus, and I'm going to change the legacy of my family. It starts right now. Whatever's on your heart. Let's have some time with God. Let's sing, let's worship, let's pray, let's confess, let's talk to our Heavenly Father. Let's sing together.